WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is Impact's one-hour discussion of news, events, and organizations within MSU's community. And now, this week's Exposure. Welcome to Exposure. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we have some members of Spartan Blockchain. And today we get to find out what a blockchain is and how our students are involved with it. So, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, my name is Andrew Marquardt. Um, I'm currently a junior studying supply chain management, and I'm also the president of Spartan Blockchain. And my name is Sid Chabra. I'm currently studying finance and economics. I'm a senior here, and I serve as the vice president and managing director of Spartan Blockchain Solutions. All right, so what is a blockchain for all of us that are a little bit less familiar? Yeah, so the one thing that I want to make clear is that when people merely hear blockchain, they normally think of like Bitcoin, which is a cryptocurrency. Uh, I want to make it clear that though they're, even though like blockchain is an input to cryptocurrencies, they're two entirely different technologies. Um, so in general, blockchain, it's basically a distributed ledger, ledger system. Um, so just like in accounting, they have like debits and credits. Blockchain uses that same general sense of like accounting measures, but also implements like a third application, um, which it has everyone, every individual member or every individual member in the, um, you know, can we we like reset that? Yes. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So what is a blockchain? Yeah, so a blockchain is a decentralized ledger system. um, And basically every individual um, within the the system, they're cross-referencing like their copy the ledger with each other uh, to determine that, like, to come consensus and, like, what's the correct, basically, like, uh, can, you, dude, can you answer this? Like, yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> I got it. So, uh, if you want to ask the question again. All um, right. So, what is a blockchain? So, a blockchain is pretty much a new way to store information. And what makes it new is it has kind of, like, three big aspects. One, that it's decentralized. So, the information, instead of being stored in one place, is stored amongst all of the users of the network. Uh, the second thing is that it uses cryptography to secure. Uh, this is like a new way to secure information. Uh, well, it's not a new way to secure information, <laughs> but it's a better way to secure information. And the third part is um, that it's immutable. So you can't go back and make edits to something that's already been added to the blockchain. So what is your guys' role as a part of Spartan Blockchain? Yeah, so we have two sides of our organization, like Sid mentioned earlier. So the first side is kind of our RSO, which is our student organization side. Um, and we focus with partnering with other student organizations on campus, um, getting their members engaged in blockchain, um, kind of teaching them the basics, and then hosting more technical workshops, like um, Hyperledger Development, which is getting like an introduction to like building blockchain applications, um, and then kind of preparing them for an advisor role, which I guess Sid can talk about a little bit later as well. Yeah, so the second side of our organization is Spartan Blockchain Solutions, which is our brand new uh, nonprofit consulting arm. And what we specialize in is blockchain advisory services. And so we give opportunities to students to work on client-facing engagements and spread blockchain to our community. So what type of tech, or like, what type of information would you store in a blockchain? Um, you can store generally anything. Um, so that's like one of the biggest things with blockchain is that it's so cross-functional. It touches like all areas of business, um, of law, of like any, I guess anywhere um, where there's an application, like there's a need. 
of her blockchain as well. So I would say as far as like supply chain goes, since I'm a supply chain major, um, you can track like any information about like um, shipments. So you can track like temperature of perishable goods, um, what time like a shipment was inbound, uh, what kind of left the facility. Um, as far you can track like for like voter verif voter for verification, um, you can track specifically like who's voting at what time, and also like get a real time update of like who votes as well. Um, so overall, it's pretty cross functional. So those are just like two use cases. What is the most common way to use it? Um, right now, the most common way to use it is cr in cryptocurrencies. Um, so again, verifying who who has ownership of specific assets, as well as transacting amongst peers, um, and just like transferring currency and being like a general store of value. Are there ways that it relates to marketing at all, or is it just like a, something that businesses use to organize all their information? Um, it actually does apply to marketing. Uh, so as a Pretty much uh, one big thing with blockchain is that it gives uh, individuals like ownership of their view, like what they want to view and where their information is or how it's stored and who can see it. So this is pretty useful for like targeting ads, for example. Um, if I'm looking to purchase new shoes, I can share my preference or wanting to have new shoes across like a blockchain and have advertisers kind of siphon in ads to me. And then when I'm kind of done with their service, I can remove that and go to the next kind of big thing that I want to view. As a student, have you been able to have significant role in building these blockchains for various nonprofits? Yeah. So um, we've actually just signed our first client this semester. Um, it's a local CPG company um, based out of Lansing. Um, and they produce, like, goods from, like, um, goods that are, or, like, honey, um, tea, and everything else from, like, the south of campus. Um, and then they wanted, like, a visibility solution for the consumers for their, for their supply chain. Um, so consumers knew know where... Uh, they're like a, kind of like their goods are coming from um, understanding that um, it's locally sourced it's organic as well so um, yeah we've had like tremendous success in trying to implement that for them as well and, we, and we're looking for more opportunities to do the same thing for other organizations too do each of you get assigned a project or a piece of this creation um not necessarily um i would say it's more just for like a visibility solution for them um and they have like we have ownership of the blockchain solution but they have access to use it as well um, but individually for us, um, it's mainly for our, our own organization to grow it, um, kind of reinvest everything that we like all of our time and dedication to building like blockchain around Michigan State University. So what type of technology do you need to know how to use to start a blockchain? <laughs> so to start a blockchain, um, I mean, you can there's not there's no like real prerequisite. This is kind of like a new technology. It's emerging. Uh -huh. So. Um, there's always a need for new people to enter a space and kind of familiarize themselves with what's been going on. And one great resource that kind of helped me familiarize myself with the technology has been uh, reading white papers. So there's a lot of big blockchain projects out there and they've been pretty successful on implementing this technology. And uh, one way that they kind of share that they're using this technology and how they're using it is they publish these white papers that kind of break it down and explain it and uh, how it works for them. So it's it's a good place to start for anyone that's in uh, that's interested in the space uh, to go out and like read the Bitcoin white paper or even like a V chain white paper and so forth. So how do you see this impacting the future of business? So I think uh, it's it's pretty important for the future of business. Um, uh, it's just like a new way to store information, right? And it makes everything more efficient for not only individuals to interact with their information, but also for businesses to interact with users' information as well. So it's, it has a very important place, and you know, as the, as we become more data driven and more, uh, like 
digital, uh, this is like a good way to make sure that everyone's being secure with where their data ends up and how it's used. For sure. And with there being so much data, what do you guys do about security and how do you make sure that blockchains are secure? Yeah. So the main thing with blockchain being secure is that it's based off of like cryptographic primitives that have already been proven as theories. Um, so it's a new, a general new application of old technologies have been proven in the 80s um, by the NSA and other like organizations. Um, so as far as far as like even just looking at the Bitcoin protocol, which is one specific use case of blockchain, um, there have been instances of people trying to hack it and kind of take over the entire network. Um, and they've come back and said this is almost impossible because as the network grows, it just continues to grow more and more stronger as well. So um, it's very secure compared to like other other ways to transact as well. So. so when you add a block of information, does that secure the previous blocks or the future blocks? So like the more blocks you have, the more secure it is? Yeah. So the big the good th the big thing about like even like looking at the bitcoin protocol or the ethereum protocol which are different cryptocurrencies and applications of blockchain is that each block of transactions is referenced it from the previous block um so as you continue to add more and more blocks on the network and process more transactions um it takes it's a lot harder to kind of take over the entire network going forward so how would you encourage community members to learn about this besides white pages? Because it's kind of a daunting thing. You hear what blockchain is and cryptocurrency, and you're kind of like afraid because it's something new and you don't understand it. So how do you encourage people to learn more about this? Yeah, so I would say um, that for people that are interested in getting is getting their exposure to blockchain um, is to come to one of our Blockchain Essentials workshops, and we're hosting more throughout the next semester. Um, as well as going online and just searching up like what blockchain is, understanding the basics, and then looking how you can apply that to your own field of study. Um, I would say that's like the biggest, the easiest way to probably get exposure. And then do you have to be a professional to start up a blockchain, or is it pretty easy to set up? So um, one big thing is that setting up a blockchain is very expensive and very tedious, um, but there's a lot of new... Uh, technologies that have come out from IBM, such as IBM Hyperledger, which allow you to build applications leveraging their blockchain that they have stored in their facility, and they give you uh, space on their cloud. Um, one good resource for individuals that are looking to use this uh, service is Hyperledger Composer, which is like a playground area for blockchain, and you can just go in there and uh, code away and build an application and see how it would work, and that's pretty important to get started, and then as you progress in your career and your knowledge base, uh, it might be worth it to take out some space on that IBM Hyperledger. Nice. So why did you guys join Spartan Blockchain? Uh, I specifically joined Spartan Blockchain uh, because I kind of see, saw the value in business. Um, being, being Again, like being a supply chain major, I, I saw that it was very applicable to like tracking goods, specifically from foreign countries coming to the United States. Um, and then I just wanted to... I, Honestly, just did like a deep dive when I first learned about it, um, and then here I am today, like leading a student organization that's focused on blockchain. Um, Sidney, so what about you? Uh, for me, I think it, it kind of mirrors Andrew's experience that I was just looking around the internet and I kind of stumbled across an article about Bitcoin, and I wanted to know how it worked, and so I did some more background digging and uncovered blockchain, and I, I feel like it's a very important technology to have, and it enables us to move into the future quicker. So that's what kind of motivated me to join Spartan Blockchain, and here I am too. So besides workshops, do you guys have weekly meetings? Uh, no, we do not actually, um, but we do have weekly meetings for our research team, um, which if you want more information, visit our website, spartanblockchain.org, um, and then, yeah, uh, we can go from there, and you can just 
join like a lot of our different research projects that we have this semester as well. So, what are some of your research projects? Yeah, so we have right now two research teams. Uh, they're looking great, by the way. And uh, so pretty much one of them is looking into uh, asset tokenization, which is taking illiquid assets, so assets that are hard to sell and convert to cash, and how to leverage blockchain and cryptocurrency to tokenize those assets. So that way you can sell off small fragments of them rather than having to sell the entire piece. Uh, and then the other team is looking into how to store student records on a blockchain. And this is pretty applicable to like Michigan State even. Um, it would be cool to see like one day maybe Michigan State giving out your degrees on blockchain. And so that way you can easily give that information to the people that you want to give it to, whether that's employers, other schools, graduate programs, testing facilities, and anything that uh, you own that information now. So would you recommend having like a personal blockchain then? Because you're talking about sending it out to employers and various people. Would that work for a person that's looking for a job? Um, so how would that work? Definitely. So personal blockchain, uh, you might run yourself out of a few million dollars trying to have one of those. Um, <laughs> but it, it's more so like how you're going to interact with the blockchain. So as we kind of established, like IBM has their own blockchain and they allow people to store information on it. Uh, it's similar with any other application as well. So like Michigan State might have a blockchain and you'll have given access to certain pieces of information that you own on that blockchain. So it's kind of like a cloud. Exactly. A super high-tech cloud. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So do you guys interact outside of your just meetings and workshops and groups? Do you guys do fun things together? Yeah, so we're trying to host more social events this semester. Um, so, again, TVD on that. Just check our website for more information. Um, but, yeah, again, like we're trying to host more collaboration events with other student organizations. I'm trying to get everybody else involved, engaged. And just kind of building an ecosystem of innovation on Michigan State's campus. Um, that's kind of where we see, like, our kind of a secondary ad value for our organization is just grow the general awareness of, like, innovative technologies around the area. So, And actually, I can add one thing to this, too. Um, so one of the events that we're going to be hosting later in the year on March 29th, the evening of March 29th, is a kind of like a blockchain community meetup. I know this is still, like, blockchain-related, <laughs> super nerdy, but um, it'll be a good, a good way to get uh, kind of like the Lansing community and Detroit community as well together uh anyone that wants to attend is probably welcome to attend and so we love to see as many people out there as we can nice so how do people get involved if they're interested uh, attend one of our workshops for sure so that's probably the first way you can be involved with spartan blockchain uh, this semester and then um, as we kind of progress on into the next semester and the end of the semester uh, we'll be recruiting again for our spartan blockchain solutions arm uh, to bring on more research analysts more consultants more developers so just keep an eye out on our website, SpartanBlockchain.org, and uh, all the open positions will be there. Do you need any experience to join? Uh, no, not at all. Um, we have everyone, we have so many people from different majors, different areas, um, where if they're just interested in blockchain, um, then they can come kind of do research projects as well as work on like consulting engagements as well. So nice. So you guys have an upcoming enough here it's the hyperledger composer development workshop so you want to talk about what's going to be going on with that yeah so in our ibm hyperledger development workshops it's a two-hour introduction to kind of the hyperledger suite which composes of like composer and fabric um we'll go into like the details behind like what the, what's the difference between the two but we're going to introduce first introduce you guys to hyperledger how it works and then we're going to kind of build out uh, perishable goods supply chain application. Um, show you how it would theoretically work for, say, like for like a um, for a food company, um, and then also like kind of show you like how to like interact with the blockchain as well as how to implement like rules and measures. So 
Nice. So do you need to know some coding of some sort to work with this? Um, I would say a very basic level. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's very easy to read in plain text. Um, so all you have to do is kind of just code like what you want. And there's there's various tutorials online from IBM too. Um, so you don't really need that much experience in programming. Nice. So is there ways, other ways that the MSU community can interact with you or help support you? Or are there ways that you guys think that you can help the community? Yeah, definitely. So um, another way to kind of interact with us is to follow us on Instagram, uh, Spartan Blockchain. We uh, post a lot of good stuff on there. And uh, some things are blockchain related. Some things are just kind of general fun, fun tidbits about random stuff. So definitely give that a follow if you're interested. And then uh, some other uh, events that might come up or just uh, ad hoc kind of workshops. So we do partner with other organizations like Andrew mentioned earlier. And those happen frequently. So that's a great opportunity. We usually request that those are open events. So even if we partner with an organization, we always open it up to the general public to also attend that event. So there's that. Nice. And fun question here. So how would you recommend that a radio station would work using a blockchain? What information do you think would be good for us to use? Mm. Let me think about that one for a second. <laughs> That's a good question. I just feel like it's such a complex thing for most of the public. So trying to find ways to make it more understandable for everybody. Definitely. So I think... Uh, for a radio station to utilize this technology um one cool thing could be leveraging like kind of cryptocurrency to buy airtime so maybe you can start impact coin for example and kind of have individuals that want airtime go purchase that coin or utilize, uh, earn that coin in some way whether that be attend a community service event or an engagement with you guys in any way and then uh, they can kind of cash those coins in for airtime to advertise their brand their individual any anything that they want to kind of get their voice out on I would say another application would be asset tokeniz tokenization of the radio station itself. So giving people the opportunity to kind of buy a stake within the radio station and then kind of vote on like having a say in very high level decisions that you guys make, um, as well as like having a focus more on like sustainability too. Um, so basically just giving people the opportunity to physically own their radio station, kind of push content that they want to hear. And would we be able to store just information that only our staff would be able to view and access? Yeah, so it, it depends. You can you can make it how you want it, actually. Um, so you can give people permissions to view certain information, but if, for example, if you wanted your staff to view everything, then you can give them the ability to view everything in the blockchain as well. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to mention about your guys' group? Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having us on there. Um, as well as, um, yeah, definitely visit, like, our our website as well, um, SpartanBlockchain.org. Um, and then also, like, we're, again, tr please try to attend our community meetup on the March 29th. Um, that'll be amazing. And uh, we look forward to, like, working with everybody and kind of spreading blockchain awareness going forward. Um, so if you guys want to reach out, with, just go on our website and, like, or I guess respond to our contact us link and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in, and hopefully everyone else can understand what blockchains are a little bit better now. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Exposure. My name is George, and I'll be hosting for today. And with me, I have two lovely guests from the Royal Improv Players, and I'd like them to introduce themselves. 
My name's Alec Combs. And I'm Jesse Sarowitz. Boys, welcome to the program. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, about what you do, about the program. So yeah, so Royal Improv Players, uh, it's the longest running improv team on campus. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been some other ones popping up here and there, but we're the longest running. Uh, we've been around for over 10 years, I think. Uh, I'm the director of the team, and we have like weekly practices. Uh, we have a weekly open practice on Monday from 8 to 10.30. Mm -hmm. uh, the room is always changing, but I believe it's room C302 in Snyder Phillips Hall every single week. Yeah, that sounds right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which day of the week do you guys usually it's a, meet on? It's a Monday. Mondays are the open practices. We also have like a closed practice for ourselves on Wednesdays. Yeah, for the professionals. Yeah, the ones who have been <laughs> gotcha. sticking around for a while. Um, gotcha. Okay. And then we do like monthly shows uh, in the Arca Theater at Snyder Phillips. Um, I've been a part of the team since my freshman year. I've been on... Like, I've been on the team since my freshman year, but I've also been on the performing team yeah. since October of my freshman year. So I was, like, the first freshman to get on the performing team my year. Yeah, we're a little different in that, like, we don't audition people. We just, like, add them to our performing team when yeah. they're good and ready. So we have, yeah. like, you know, like a, like a what, 14-person team plus, like, 30 other people who just come and do improv with us, but, yeah. like, don't perform. I mean... Some of them do in, in like our our satellite team, our JV team is what we call. It. Sure. Yeah, they're called the Royal Squires. They do like shows every two months or so, uh, lower stakes, but it's a fun little group that we decided to make, uh, just to, like showcase yeah. our newer talent, right, yeah. and just give the newer talent just an opportunity to yeah to perform in front of an audience just to get that feedback for themselves. So that started this year, you're saying? The or, Squires? Yeah. The Squires started last year. Like Got it. It, start, it pretty much started a year ago. It's like their first show was in February of uh, 2018. Oh, yeah. It was like a neat, well, we had so many people who wanted to perform, but, you know, having like a 20-person improv show isn't like... It doesn't really benefit yeah. anybody. Not right? really conducive, because, you, you know, you get to do improv for like maybe 10 minutes if that <laughs> yeah so we were like well you know we have another team and they can perform and it can be lower stakes because mm -hmm. you know it's not it's, they're never in the theater because that theater is impossible to book all yeah. the time <laughs> um, right but uh i, I kind of want to go into improv comedy for people who are unfamiliar with what improv is oh, yeah, uh we're literally like uh if you ever seen like the show whose line is it anyway mm. where they're literally making stuff on the spot that's what we do we are we go on stage and we perform without a script. We perform with each other, not knowing anything that goes into it, and we just make it up as we go. Um, we get prompts from the audience. Like, we'll ask, like, uh, can I get a prompt of anything at all? Or can I get a prompt of a location? Or can somebody give me a relationship between these people? Uh, so that way, the audience knows that... Uh, it's completely made up on the spot. There's no, like, there's no, like, we obviously rehearse in our practices, but, like, there's no, like, preparation for this. Um, so I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's it's not a rehearsal of the scenes. It's a rehearsal of, like, the technique with it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> gotcha. Excuse me. Um, well, yeah. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, uh, extreme theater, I guess, <laughs> in that you have no script to memorize. You have to make it up as you go. Yeah. Gotcha. So how does that correlate with, because I've seen you, like your ads on Facebook mm -hmm. where there's a specific theme or brand kind of that goes along with the show. Yeah. Like, the, like there was a Total Drama one recently, yeah, right? Yeah, there was a Total Drama improv based on the Cartoon Network show Total Drama Island. Right. Um, that, was like our mo that was our most recent one for February, but we've had like, we 
uh, we've had like themes going from all which way. Um, so the thing that goes into it that's really fun is that we have uh, the people, the person who makes our posters is my friend Katie. I've shout out to sp- Katie. Yeah, shout out to Katie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been she's been my best friend since I was ten. So I've wow. known her for a long time, and she's a fantastic artist. And I came to her in my freshman year when um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens was coming out, and we were just like, we want to do a Star Wars themed show, but we want to like, we thought it would be a fun one to like have all of our faces on the poster, like of the Star Wars movie poster, um, and to like Photoshop all of our faces on like the people. Uh, and I was like, I know a person who can do that. Uh, and ever since then, Kay's pretty much been making all of our posters. Mm. So I work with Katie on like the th- like coming up with like a poster idea. Right. Um, usually we come up with like a theme about something in pop culture that's coming on. We've done movies a lot. Like our first one for this year, we did a Mamma Mia two theme. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so it was like Royal Improv. Here we go again. Um, <laughs> and then we did like an it- for how Hall- for our Halloween show, we did a Ghostbusters themed. Um, and I just saw you had the Super Smash Bros. theme. One. Yeah, we yeah. Had, that was for, funny. For January, we did a, a Super Smash Bros. theme show where <laughs> that was like, I was just like, I'm going to make this poster super big. Like, usually we only have like just like 8 by 5 and 11 uh, posters. But for this one, I went I went out and got big posters for them. Yeah, <laughs> Alec and I's faces were like huge and right in the middle of it. Right. Yeah. He was Mario and I was Link. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> he was also Toon Link on the poster. I, yeah, I, so he, yeah. He, he double dipped. <laughs> But other than um, like helping us determine the name of our show and like advertising, uh, the theme doesn't really go into the performance yeah. gotcha. all that it, much. It's just like you it's know. just a fun little theme to like get people to like to like see the posters and be like, oh, that's a cool poster. What's this advertising for? Uh, and then they'll be yeah. like, oh, let's go to that. Let's go to that show and see what it's about. It was funny when we did the improv, uh, the super. Super Improv Bros Ultimate Show. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy who showed up like a little bit before doors open, and he thought it was like a Smash Bros like tournament. Oh, really? And we were just like, "No, this mm. is an improv show." Yeah. Sorry. Wait, did he come in? I, yeah, I hope he did. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't say that long. I hope that guy hears this and he feels really guilty that he yeah. didn't see it. Shout out to that guy. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. <laughs> Dang. Well, um, and you you've, you both kind of touched on this a little bit already, but um, just kind of walk me through like what one of your typical shows looks like. Mm-hmm. Like the process of it, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I'm the one who uh, comes up with like the actual set list for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually like a bunch of short form improv games, sure. which are like... Sh- short form is like like two to three minute scenes that usually have like a fun gimmick with it where, you know, you do something where one person can only say, you know, two different lines of dialogue or one person, uh, you know, has to be lying down or sitting or standing, right. but they're kind of like constrained by a weird yeah. rule. Yeah. Uh, a, like a, a normal one is uh, there's a game called Relay. I can explain that one real quick where yeah. it's like uh, there's six people in the game. They're all, all six of them are paired up into three pairs um, and they each get each pair gets a prompt they do a scene for each of their prompts, and uh, whenever one of the pairs wants to get into the scene, uh, they clap, and they have to take the last line of dialogue from the other pair's scene uh, and make that the first line of their of their scene. Right. So that one's a so that's like kind of what an, a short form improv game is. But we also do long form, which is like kind of like the purest improv one can have. Yeah, it's like the most um snobby improv, but also it's the okay. most fun. It's snobby and by mean like right. it like this this form, long form was like created in Chicago. Like it's it is improv and then short form is kind of like 
an offshoot of that. Right. But so long form is like, you know, 20 to 25 minutes of just interconnecting scenes um, that we do. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's just nonstop improv for like 25 minutes. Yeah. And there's different forms of long form. Yeah. But the form that we do is like we get a prompt from the audience. That prompt, uh, we have one of our improvisers tell a monologue based on that prompt. And then we do a bunch of scenes based around the monologue. Um, and that's, they're all interconnected, but they're like slower and longer scenes than our, than our short form games. So I do, so usually we aim for like an hour and a half to an hour, 40 minute shows, uh, and they're only $1 each. So very, yeah. very lucrative for very accessible, very accessible for the college, uh, audience that, yeah. yeah, the college audience that we're trying to get. Oh, so they love it. They, you know, it's a dollar and then you get to see a bunch of goofballs goof around for an hour and then it's like done at 10 o'clock. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, while you're both mentioning like the long and short form, are there any particular bits that you've done that have come to mind that have been like, oh, that went really well, or con- like on the other hand, any that just bombed? Ooh. You mean like jokes that we've made? Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, all the time. <laughs> um, I remember Alec and I did a scene together. It was short form. The The game is called um, First, line, first last line, Last Line. So the audience gets to pick the first line of dialogue and the last line of dialogue. So In the scene. You so were, oh, I re- yep, I've yeah, seen yeah. this before. So what Alec and I did, we did a whole scene of, of, of a married couple who... Uh, uh, their their they marriage, fighting. Yeah, their marriage was on the rocks. Right. But, and uh, it came out that... It was like I was the husband, you were the wife. I was the wife, yeah. Uh, and the wife was uh, sleeping with my brother, the mailman. Yes. But... He, he like prompted it by, you prompted it by saying like, I've been sleeping with the mailman. And then yeah. I said, I like took a long pause and I said, don't bring my brother into this. <laughs> um, the, the, I think the funniest part about that though was um, we, we started and like the audience picked our first line of dialogue, but instead I decided to say whatever I wanted oh, yeah. um, oh. on accident. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, I said something stupid, but Alec was like, you, you were saying like, I made dinner. I made dinner, which is not the line. And then Alex said the line that, Supposed that to was say. supposed to be said, yeah. but he said it really like condescending. Like, well, I think I think I believe the first line was like, "I don't love you anymore." Oh my gosh, it was. Um, and it was like, so he said, "I made dinner." I was like, "I don't love you anymore." <laughs> kind of in a hey, yeah. idiot, hey, idiot. This was the first line. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the audience loved that, and like, so y- to answer your question of like what has gone poorly, like I guess technically that's gone poorly, but like well, a, sta- a, sta- a staple of improv is like. Um, you're working together to create this scene, so there are there are really no mistakes as long as it's uh, quote unquote like covered by your partner. Yeah. So like what Alec did was, you know, in a very meta but uh, <laughs> funny way, like covered the mistake I made. Yeah, it was just like, I'm gonna dial you back real quick <laughs> and bring you back to where we're supposed to be. Yeah. But then we kind of like integrated his mess up into into the, into scene. the scene, right? And you know, th- I mean, obviously there are a bunch of mess ups all the time. Um, I or don't... just like games that don't go well, right? Right. They're just not as fun to talk about because like it's 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 never like an interesting like oh you know like you like to watch car crashes and things like that because they're exciting to see but like poor improv is just not exciting. Yeah, at you're all. just oh yeah. No, it's it is it's painful. The, it's painful is what it's like nails on a chalkboard because you're you're hearing these people and they're just you know they're trying to do they're trying so hard to be funny and it's not working and, and it's like you look into the audience and you see people on their phones and they're just like oh my god and it's like i mean that's I, just and cool. like, but it's obvious though like you're boring these people because you're not talking about anything that's exciting at all which is why like <laughs> a- a- like alex and i seen about the couple that was fighting like that's interesting to see mm-hmm. i you know i would say yeah it was super fun it but, was it was honestly like in 
in my four years of being on the team, like one of the loudest I've I've heard like the audience laugh, and I was like, this feels good. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Okay, um, just going back on, well, yeah, how it can be super polarizing to just even put yourself out there. What do you? What's kind of the protocol for people who are more getting into it, like the squires, for example? Just yeah. like, how do you get them comfortable with? Doing improv and you know getting comfortable falling on their face as you yeah. Yeah, as you might. I think it's mostly yeah just doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really that's that's really all you can do in improv. There's like you know you can you can like read theory about it and stuff, but like I find that that's not helpful unless you already oh, know yeah. the rules. Right. So like you know the best way to do it is like hey go out and take an improv class or you know do come to an improv rehearsal like the ones that we have. Um, and then, you know, eventually you get a feel for, like, what is, you know, what kind of works and what kind of doesn't and what, you know, what the rules of improv are. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then the best, the best, lear- the best thing to teach you is, is to go out there and fall on your face. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's been plenty of times back when I was in high school, when I was on my high school improv team. And, yeah. like, I was just, like, bombing. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, you learn. Like, that's my, that's, like, my biggest, like... Like we do like a mentor mentee program in in our improv team with like the newer mm. people with the older people, and like uh, to my mentees, I always say like they're always like, "What do I need to do to get better?" And I'm just like, "I need to see more from you. Like I need to like just get out there mm. and like like because that's how you like one it will give me stuff to like give you more feedback on, right. but it also is like you begin to feel like what you need to do to get better. Like like I like one of my I just ask my mentees. I'm just like, what do you want to get better on? Like, what have you seen like the improvisers like do yeah. in scenes? And like, you're just like, I want to know how to do that better. Like, what are those types of things? So it's always just like being dialed into that type of stuff and knowing your own uh, pitfalls. Yeah, my 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 the the advice I give out a lot is um, try not to be funny, which yeah. is seems counterintuitive to like being an improviser, but like. My you know, my whole philosophy behind it is if you take these scenes and you like just react naturally to things and you like mm. talk naturally like a human being, you know how right. we all talk, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the funny comes out. Yeah. So you don't have to like force it. So like when you get people up there and, and they, they force these jokes or whatever, like most yeah. ha- at least half the time they don't land. Yeah, like, it's like one of those things where it's like if you say like a, a knock knock joke or just like a a quick like pun the audience will groan at you and right. you're just like eh. but one time i did it i did it we were playing a we were doing a show game and i i don't uh-huh. remember i don't remember the situation but i came out and i was insinuating that somebody else's character like got their puppy from like a puppy mill which i thought was really funny at the time but like it was very forced because i like had it in the, it, i had it in my mind of like i'm gonna do you, like, this, this is funny yes. okay i've like i've written this joke before i did it on stage <laughs> okay. and then when i got out there and i said oh your puppy's from a puppy mill i expected laughter and got nothing <laughs> yeah like i and, bet that's a <laughs> oh no it's horrible Horrifying, but like an audience knows when you're really trying to force it, mm-hmm, right. and you know, like people will laugh at it because there are people who laugh at everything. But like you're not gonna God get bless like them. A, <laughs> bless those people yep. who laugh at terrible the jokes. Troopers, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah. So that's my advice of just like so that's part of it. It's it's it's, it's getting advice, but it's also just doing it and like feeling out what is what is cool and what is not. I guess right. mm-hmm. that's something I've always really like just as a as a viewer, I suppose, mm-hmm. like when there's kind of an established coherence and logic to some of the bits. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you can you can get away with a lot of screwball humor and everything like that, but when they really can flow naturally, like you said, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a super special quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in that realm of thought, obviously with improv, there's not like well, obviously 
There's not like a written set or anything. No, mm-hmm. but on a personal level, what would you say has inspired you both as like you know, like comedy writers and everything along those lines? Mm-hmm. Like, what are your sources of inspiration? I suppose. Oh, interesting. I mean, Jesse and I, <clears throat> Jesse and I just like go back at go back and forth about like stand-ups that we lo- that we wo- that we both like mm-hmm. or just like comedy movies that we both like or mm-hmm. TV shows that we both like um but like for me personally um there's like stand-ups like Mike Birbiglia, Mulaney mm-hmm. um oh yeah th- those guys are like masters at their craft oh yeah and they just like they inspire me all the time um and also like they both did like improv like back in the day like Mike Birbiglia made a movie about improv called uh, Don't Think Twice and it's like beautiful how yeah. perfect it is shout out to don't think twice it's on netflix um, <laughs> yeah watch it it's on netflix it's really good like that movie really captures i think at least partially like the feeling of being an improviser mm-hmm. and like obviously alec and i aren't like working improvisers in like chicago or whatever right. but like i think even then like it touches on what it's like to be on an improv team yeah. which is interesting yeah but yeah my so i yeah i was gonna agree with you like mark Birbiglia, i think is like a comedy genius like I saw him, I saw him do his, his like his new stand-up show in Detroit well, almost last year now. Mm-hmm. That is on Broadway currently, or it just ended on Broadway. But like, the way he tells his story in like his in his stand-up is, it's genius. Because like I, I think it goes back to that principle. Like he's not he's like he's not he's trying to be funny, but like he's not really trying to be funny. He's just right. kind he's of just being himself. Tell, yeah, he's telling you the story, and it is funny. Um, but also like the thing that got me into improv was who's Lansley anyway. Like I was oh, watching, yeah. like, I remember specifically what I was doing when I first started watching who's land. I was like procrastinating on this <laughs> research paper back in, Ju- back in like sophomore year of high school. And like, I just like found clips and like, I remember watching it back when I was young, but I like didn't know that it was improv. Yeah. Uh, and then I was watching it and I was just like, I remember specifically thinking like I could do this. Uh huh. And then I found out that there was an improv team at my high school, and I auditioned for it, and I got on. Uh, and that was my junior and senior year. Like that, that like was crazy for me. Yeah. Um, besides that, inspiration-wise, I mean, I don't know. You got anybody else? No, I was gonna talk about uh, SNL. Whose line? Because yeah. I also had that same thing where I like have vivid memories of watching like old episodes yeah. on like YouTube's. Like some right. guy put a bunch of episodes on YouTube, mm-hmm. probably like illegally or something. <laughs> oh yeah, but like every other show that's oh, listed yeah. on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like I want I, I have like hours like in my right. in my basement like wrapped in a blanket watching Who's Line <laughs> by myself, crying from laughing by myself. Yeah, <laughs> oh. and like. Like that's you know yeah that's I think that you know that kind of inspires me because like you know what you want to be that funny but like it's the same thing as like yeah I can do that if these guys can do it like I can do that yeah and yeah shout out to that guy who put it on YouTube <laughs> I love the shout outs okay. yeah um but like recently like I found out about a new podcast called uh, Off Book the Improvised Musical oh yeah which is like a f- a person who's on the team uh, showed it to me and. They were like, I need to know your thoughts about this. And I watched it. And I did not know anything about it. And it blew me away. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's It's just like they improvise a, a one-hour musical like every single week. And Whoa. it's always so good. Like I was on my way here and I was listening to an episode. Nice. Yeah. Dang. I think. And then people who in improv who inspire me, who I actually haven't seen perform ever, but I read their book, mm-hmm. TJ and Dave. Yeah, I have their book too. Uh, yeah. TJ and Dave are like... So they're like a two-man long-form team, and they'll do like 
just 50 minutes straight of like long form, just the two of them. Wow. And, but they wrote this book that I love that I just finished reading. That was all like, it, it, I think it like changed my whole perspective on improv. Um, but yeah, they're the guys from the Sonic commercials. You know? Well, TJ oh. is. Dave's not in the Sonic commercial? No, he's not. It's only TJ. Who's that other guy? I don't know. Some guy. Shout out to TJ then. <laughs> but yeah, so. Making that Sonic Them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think they're big in, improv inspirations and I hope one day to see them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which okay. I think is funny to say that I haven't seen them, but. But them being inspirations. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Mean, no, for sure. Well, yeah. in the age we live in. Yeah, right. It's super easy to get inspiration from anything. Um, I guess kind of touching on that, I mean, we've already talked about a lot of different sources and inspiration sure, sure, and sure. even just putting yourself out there. Any other advice you would want to give to students who are maybe considering giving this a go? I mean, like, as we said, just come and see it. Like, like one... Like, if you're, like, really, like, I don't know if I just want to go to a rehearsal, go to a show. Yeah. Like... Mm -hmm. Like, come to one of our shows and just be all, like, and just, like, witness it. And if you're, like, if you were like me and be like, I think I could do that, then you should come to one of our practices. Mm -hmm. And the chances are you can do it. Yeah. Like, everybody can improvise. Well, right. Well, like, you live a life, right? You talk to people and stuff. Right. So you can do improv. Yeah, everything's it's, on the floor. It's basically yeah. the same thing. Um, I mean. Just in front of people. Just in front of people. But, yeah, I, I would echo that, I think, seeing it. Um, and then, yeah, like if you want, you know, I'm sure I don't know about like, classes and stuff, but around here, but there are definitely improv classes hosted all over. Yeah. The I mean, States. there is a Michigan, like Michigan state has an improv class. Oh yeah. Um, through this one professor named Sarah Hendrickson, uh, through the theater department. It's theater 208, I believe. Um, and I took it my sophomore year and sh Sarah is brilliant. She is a great, uh, teacher she's but she like went to io second city did the rounds she like I, I remember her telling me that she did like thing in amsterdam with jordan peele oh my goodness yeah like of key and peele fame mm -hmm. and also get out and get Us out fame and the new twilight zone yeah um right. <laughs> <laughs> uh she also knew like thomas middleditch like she's right. dope like i would just That's say super cool like, t if you're, like, she she teach, teaches a great beginner class for improv, and you just, you get to do the games, and you get to meet people mm -hmm. who are also in the class, and it's a great class, so. That was a theater 200 level, do you remember the Yeah, 208. Like, 208. usually, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's a course for anybody, but right. there has recently been, like, just classes for theater majors. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you don't have to take it at MSU either. There are plenty of qualified teachers mm -hmm. out there. Like, right. um, I'll probably, t I'm probably going to end up taking a class this summer in Grand Rapids. So, like, yeah, all you have to, just Google it. I mean, you'll find classes if you really want to, you know, try it out. Right. So, I, yeah, I think the best, yeah, the best thing is watch it okay. and then just try, you know. Yeah. Wor worst case scenario, you, you don't like it and you can stop. And just, like, look <laughs> around, like, because there's plenty of, like, like, look around because there's like there's Royal Improv, uh, and there's like two other teams popping up on yeah. on um, campus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's just like find your niche. But we're like the ones, like, one of them does like monthly open open swims, uh, but we do open practices every single week. Yeah. So like, I guess right. your best bet is if you want to do it with us, you can come see us. Yeah. Can yeah. you remind the audience of the the times you have for those? Yeah. You said weekly at Mondays. Weekly, Monday weekly on Mondays, room C three hundred two, eight to ten thirty p.m. Room C three hundred two in Snyder Phillips Hall. Great. Okay. 
And now, um, post-spring break, you guys have an upcoming show. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Alec and I are doing shows all the time. But yeah. our our, ne- right. our upcoming show, um, improv in, show. Our in- improv show is March 15th. We don't have a theme picked we yet. We don't have a theme yet. Uh, some have been thrown around, but we haven't nailed one down yet. But it's March gotcha. 15th at 9 p.m. in the Arca Theater in, in the basement of Snyder Phillips Hall. Mm-hmm. And get mission $1. $1. Right. But yeah, so we'll be doing our normal short form, long form scenario. Mm-hmm. We'll hang out. It'll be a good time. You'll probably laugh a lot. Yeah. Uh, but so also, we... besides that, we have the the third annual Spartan Improv Comedy Festival. Oh, right. mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, so that's on April 12th and 13th. That's a Friday and Saturday. Uh, and we got like a bunch of college teams from like all over like Michigan and like the Midwest. Like we got... We got CMU's, one of CMU's teams. Uh, we got like GVSU's improv team. Um, we got Notre Dame, o- OSU, um, Western, K College. Like we got a bunch of teams coming. Right. Uh, as well as like a bunch of the teams that are here on campus. Uh, we got a couple uh, professional uh, people from like Chicago coming and performing that are some of some of my good friends. Like one of them is like a guy that like I knew who was on like my high school improv team. Yeah. And he's coming and performing. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we got like 16 teams lined up so far. We're trying to get a couple more. Yeah. Uh, and, and those dates were one more time? April, April 12th and 13th, Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Those, and that'll be from like 7 to 10.30. Uh, and it'll either be in the McDonald Kiva <laughs> or the Erickson Kiva. Uh, we haven't... Like we we're still trying to find a place. Sure. Yeah, we've been trying to get a really nice venue, and it just hasn't been working out. Yeah. Oh, sure. But well, everything's been booked, or just like we're unable to location. book it. Sure. Well, I'm so yeah, and I suppose obviously when that location is confirmed, people can find it at your social media page. Oh yeah. Do you oh, want to yeah. give those a shout out? Quick? Yeah, I definitely will. Uh, <laughs> so we got we're on Facebook, Royal Improv Players. Just look mm-hmm. us up. Uh, we're on Twitter at uh, Improv underscore MSU. Uh, that one's a fun one. I'm the one. I'm the one who runs all of our social media as well, and I always mm-hmm. just like uh, post like silly stuff. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. yesterday, I posted a. I tweeted something out about the new Pokemon thing. Like the new Pokemon starters came yeah. out, and I was just like, "The grass starter's the one who does improv, and you know he's better than you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, your Twitter is hysterical. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, George. And then we're also on Instagram at Royal Underscore Improv. Uh, so find us there. We uh, we make sure to plug our shows all the time and just engage with people. Yeah, on it's there. all it's all about you know trying to reach as many people as possible because that's what makes improv really fun. And also to get people in those seats, <laughs> right? Like, but I mean that's part. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I guess on that note, everyone just make sure you're tuning into Royal Improv Players and uh, keep up to everything they're doing. And uh, hey, guys, thanks for coming in today. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, thanks for listening to Exposure, everyone.